Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a pop culture journalist in D.C. And with me is only one of my co-hosts, Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today, guys, we're doing our monthly movie millennial review, and we're talking about Batman. And not any Batman, but Lego Batman. This is a movie that came out a couple weeks ago, um, but we're reviewing it now because it's the month. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was directed by Chris McKay, who um, before that directed um, a ton of episodes of Robot Chicken. So this is totally in his wheelhouse of doing like, I mean, yeah, a lot of this is computer generated, but, you know, they make it look stop motion. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as it was written by Seth Graham Smith, who has written um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, among other. uh, He also did, I think he did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was going to direct Flash, the DC's Flash, but I don't think he's no longer directing that. No. Um, The director of Dope. I believe, is directing right. The Flash. Yeah, yeah. Um, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was also written by Chris McKenna, who has done Family Guy, among other things. And so the Lego Batman movie, to sum it up pretty quickly, um, Bruce Wayne must not only deal with the criminals of Gotham City, but also the responsibility of raising a boy he adopted. And that boy is Dick Grayson. My love. My babe. Although this is a very different Dick Grayson than... The one that I adore. The one that you adore. This is this is a weird, like, he's super peppy Dick Grayson. Very optimistic, voiced by Michael Sarah, Dick Grayson. The most emotion you'll ever get out of Michael Sarah <laughs> in this Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Sarah voice. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Um, well, I kind of actually like this Dick Grayson. I like all forms of Dick. <laughs> Goodness. All sizes. Grayson. Anyways... I love Dick Grayson, and I'm very happy to see him in Batman movie finally. Because mm-hmm. um, we didn't really have. We saw movie. him in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, I forgot about played that. By, pl- played by Chris O'Connell. Yeah, but also I, I like blocked those movies out of my memory. Um, <laughs> I don't. They they've been burned in my head. No, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, the ice puns have only been burned in my oh, head. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I like. I I think that to get into Lego Batman. Um, it is definitely it, it captures that same sort of zest and <laughs> craziness that a lot of those Schumacher movies have, but it is a lot more loyal to the Batman brand and just like I don't want to say brand. Cause it, well, I mean, we've seen Batman in like over the over the past almost 80 years mm-hmm. he's gone through a lot of transformations and they make a lot of point about that mm-hmm. in this movie this movie is incredibly meta mm-hmm. not to the meta level of lego movie in which that took like a completely entirely separate meta level mm-hmm. this is all like if you've seen the lego movie you know what i'm talking about but like this is all in universe mm-hmm. of the, the lego world so we should say that this is a kind of spin-off from the character who showed up in Lego Movie. And yeah, it's it was the, voiced sa- by Will Arnett. The same Batman in his own in his, in his own adventure. Mm-hmm. Um like they they reference master building and like a couple things from the Lego Movie, but it's not like after the events of the Lego Movie, Batman rode back to Gotham City in the Batmobile and this is his life now. No, like it's completely like if you didn't see the Lego Movie, you'd have like you would be totally fine seeing the Lego Batman Movie. Mm-hmm. But you should see you should see the Lego Movie because it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a great movie. Um, but you didn't need to see that movie to see the Lego Batman movie. Um, the fun thing about the Lego Batman movie is that it's all like 
Easter egg filled like to the brim. Mm-hmm. You like I have to see it a second time to to catch everything, and even then I probably won't. It's definitely a movie that really loves all the Batman history that comes with it, but at the same time it doesn't like play into what we think of Batman now, and he's like not grim, dark, depressing, Snyder esque. Well, they make fun of that. They make yeah, fun they of the fact that he's it. so dark and mm-hmm. like lonely and yeah. lonely, and like Ray Fiennes as, as Alfred the Butler is like. Um, telling him to like you know grow up and be but, be le- be less of a teenager essentially. But at the same time, it's very true to the themes of like the Batman comics and like that that idea of found family. Oh yeah. Of uh, definitely like this was all about the found family. This is the most we've seen of the Bat family. <sighs> and ever. I love the Bat family. That's like honestly my favorite part about Batman in general. It's not that he's you know a, a brooding, dark, rich playboy billionaire who, you know, has, like, this really dark side. With a Ben Affleck chin who's, like, a dark side and doesn't, like, think of anything beyond, like, his vengeance for his parents and stuff like that. I come to Batman for, like, the family that has just kind of sprung up around him as he's gone on, like, all of his Robins. He's had multiple Robins um, throughout the years, actually. One of them was actual his, his actual son. Yes. So, like, Dick Grayson, the one that we see in this movie, is the first Robin, um, and he... Uh, that eventually we have like Jason Todd, um, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, who is his son, like Willoughby mentioned, as well as a female Robin, Stephanie Brown, but she only shows up mm-hmm. kind of as a plot device. And then in the alternative universe of The Dark Knight Returns, you get Carrie Kelly yes. as as a female Robin, who, if you look at the Lego Batman in um, in this movie, he has Dick Grayson has the same classes as Carrie Kelly. Mm-hmm. I found that very interesting. He does look kind of like a male Carrie Kelly in yeah. this. I thought I found that was was an interesting like plot point, well not plot point, but like character design. Is mm-hmm. that instead of like the traditional like black haired Dick Grayson, um, they kind of went with like he had like brown hair or yeah. brownish reddish hair, and he had those green colored glasses that Carrie Kelly has. It reminded me a lot of the '60s Batman uh, Robin. I'm sorry, '60s mm-hmm. Robin from the Batman series, the Burt Ward one. Yeah, the Burt Ward because he also had very light hair and, and like I don't think he wore glasses, but he had like a similar sort of schoolboy prep. Facade. Mm-hmm. I think they actually modeled his clothing when he was not Robin mm-hmm. after Burt Ward's, yeah. um, like the red sweater and the blue jeans. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then his well, his his Robin costume is also completely like uh, <laughs> ridiculous, but it's mainly based on the Burt Ward one because there's a point where he's like the pants are too tight and he rips them off. It was a great moment. Um, and he's like rip. <laughs> yeah, and um, this movie also features Batgirl, mm-hmm. um, who's Barbara Gordon um, in the canon as well as like in this film, uh, voiced by Rosario Dawson. Yeah, uh, I I have a problem actually with like her relationship with Bruce. That's kind of leaked into this movie that we've seen a lot of depictions of like her and especially Bruce Wayne having like a sexual relationship or like a romantic relationship. Especially in the um the animated movie of The Killing Joke, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um Bruce Tim, the creator of like the Batman animated series and Justice League series, was a big Bruce Barbara shipper, I guess you would say. That's interesting because even in the the animated series, usually um like Barbara and Dick had a had yeah. a, a relationship. Yeah, canonically in the comics, Barbara and Dick—they're my OGP. First of all, they're a great like um, you know couple that have I think balanced each other out. But they go out for a long time, um, and they have their tumultuous relationship. But recently, we've seen more of like Barbara and Bruce, which I have my issues with mm-hmm. because I feel like it's a little and, bit and they, the they, power they, imbalance. In this movie, they made Barbara Gordon the new commissioner, mm-hmm. Gordon, they, which they aged her up. It's funny because in Batman. Beyond, she's the commissioner. Yes, yeah, she is. So it's kind of like a nod to Batman Beyond because Barbara Gordon does take over as the commissioner. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but in that show she's like 60 um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. in this show she's like yeah, 30 they, they retired Jim Gordon which I thought was an interesting choice well it was kind of it's almost like not the inciting incident but it is definitely like an, an incident of change yeah, yeah. To, that messes with Batman's world because mm-hmm. to get into a little bit of spoiler action um, or not spoiler but just plot points mm-hmm. um she wants the police to team up with Batman, and mm-hmm. Batman's like, I work alone. And so you, you get into all that, like, um, relationship issues that Batman has mm-hmm. with not only the citizens of Gotham, but also his, his like, um, family issues. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of emotional points in this movie where they do deal with the fact that he is an orphan mm-hmm. and that he is trying to live up to his parents' memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he's, you know, he puts on this exterior, I'm Batman, I'm all cool, I like to eat my lobster thermidor in the microwave. And eat it without taking off the shells and yeah. just bite into oh, it. Oh, man, there, those <laughs> moments where he's, like, eating lobster thermidor, microwaved lo- lobster thermidor, which, by the way, you shouldn't do, yeah. um, in, like, his pool and his, like... Uh, um, he's, like... Big empty like echoing pool and like various places. Yeah, in his it, and it, there's like they just take a lot of time to just show you how lonely he is mm-hmm. and how this awesome cool mansion and Batcave is like super lonely. Um, so let's um we're gonna divide our review by a couple of points: structure, character, and theme. Mm-hmm. Since we've been talking about character a lot, why don't we start off with that? Um, so we kind of dove into Bruce and his motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's kind of just like the defining arc of the story, I think. Yeah. I mean, he definitely goes from being a loner who doesn't believe he can, you know, he he, need, he doesn't believe he needs anybody to randomly, off-puttingly, just like um, Dick Grayson shows up and is like, you know, would it be cool if you know you adopted me? And like he was, he's at a party at some gala, and Bruce Wayne's like, sure, kid, totally, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like he shows up in the Batcave, and like and 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 um, I guess Wayne Manor's on an island in this version of the story, which is yeah. hilarious. He's kind of, he's like on Air Air Temple Island. I mean, it's a, it it really takes that whole metaphor of every man is his island seriously, to like a literal to point. a literal point. And yeah. like Bruce Wayne is like the most island of a man because you know he doesn't surround himself with people and mm-hmm. refuses to. Yeah, and like even even though Alfred the Butler's there all the time, mm-hmm. he uh, he he doesn't think of him that way as a member of his family um and so yeah he has a lot of relationship issues and he has he has weird relationship issues with the joker um i kind of like that like what they did you know they made it like a breakup where where batman's like i'm not really seeing i'm not really fighting anybody at this current time yeah and joker is like heartbroken and that's kind of what spurs his story so fun fact there have been a lot of people who have uh of who are not of our political um persuasion uh, who have called for the boycotting of Lego Batman because of its homosexual overtones. Really? Yes. I've not heard this. I, I, I just thought they were making fun of Trump because he's, you know, a rich white boy. No. It, I mean, that too, but, like, basically they're like, this is, like, a gay propaganda, essentially. Huh. And... It, which is funny because, like, Batman has a lot of the times, for a lot of his history, been a root of that. Yeah. You know, the whole Batman and Robin relationship. But in this case, in this movie, we have that between Batman and Joker, essentially. It's, like, it's the romantic relationship. It's also funny that they um, they they, mention, they they kind of poke at the Batman and Robin relationship where um, Batman denies that Robin is his adopted son. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, palling around with him as Batman and Robin. And Rosario Darson's um, uh, character is like, um, it'd be weirder if he wasn't your son. <laughs> <laughs> so there's they kind of pointed out to that like 
weird thing that's happened. That I mean, like he's his ward and like adopt. He's, he never officially adopts Dick Grayson. I don't think. No. Um, but he treats him as a son. And he becomes his father figure in the end. Mm-hmm. But although, like in this case, Bruce, despite his very fulfilling arc, I feel like never really changes. Yeah, it's almost. I mean, it's like Steve, Steve Rogers in Civil War, where mm-hmm. a lot of the other things change around him. Yeah. Um, and he does. I mean, Batman does change. He accepts this family, and, mm-hmm. like, um, over time, um, that he, he begins to, like, you know, um, show more affection for his yeah. for his found family. Yeah, he does, and, like, he kind of sacrifices himself for it. But at the same time, he never, like, reaches a different maturity level. Oh, yeah, no, he's still the same, like, I'm Batman yeah. at the end of it. But, but other people, it is a comedy movie. Yeah, so. yeah, there, you, you can't have... I mean, there are some dramatic points, but it's all taken, like, it's it's not, like... I'm gonna cry, but mm-hmm. it's 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 fun. It's good. It's I like I liked his arc. I liked um, uh, the idea of like the found family. I think that's always like a fun trope. I do like the found family a lot. Um, we're seeing it most recently in Arrow, which is basically just CW's version of Batman. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I want to say. CW was like, we're going to do a Batman. And then Warner Brothers was like, we're going to do him in the movies. You can have Green Arrow. He's a billionaire, too. And they're like, how different is he? How different <laughs> is he? And then, to, and then it's like, oh, wait, totally. Instead totally of being different. a near fascist in Arrow, uh, he's supposed to be like a socialist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, yeah. He's got very liberal tendencies. And he's also like, a, you know, whip smart, clever. Yeah. and Much more lighthearted, honestly, than Batman oh, totally. is. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they totally made Oliver Queen in Arrow. Um, a Batman. I mean, all of his villains are Batman villains. There's, um, oh, Deathstroke. Uh, you know, all the all the Batman villains are his villains in this show, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that Flash kind of course corrected and like kept Flash like light in, in the first season, mm-hmm. and like the Rogues were his Rogues. Right. So um, didn't steal all of Batman's Rogues. Yeah. And I refuse to watch Arrow. <laughs> I mean, they even mentioned when Felicity Smoke spoilers for Arrow um, becomes Overwatch. They because she needed a code name because on the, on the on the unsecure line they kept you know calling her Felicity and so they were like well what and she was like well what about Oracle and then Arrow was like I think that's taken. And so, like, they basically made her Oracle, but yeah. she's Overwatch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Anyway, sorry, sorry that <laughs> tangent. Arrow, Arrow tangent, but yeah. like, just to say that you know, um, they made him more Batman-y than he should be. Yeah, but like in this case, this Batman, you know, doesn't have a lot of similarities with that grim, gritty version of Batman we've been seeing a lot since um, Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. So let's go on to. Grayson. Okay. My babe. <laughs> he is a child. Yes. He is um, very peppy, very snappy, very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he brings a lighthearted nature, like even more lighthearted nature than than the Lego universe already is. Mm-hmm. Like he's definitely he's he's never. I don't think he's ever annoying, which is glad because mm-hmm. you could you it could easily do that. Easily yeah. make him an annoying sidekick. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, they make him, they, there's a lot of vulnerability there, mm-hmm. um, because like, you know, the orphaned parents issue. Yeah. He's got the, that's like, in the Batman mythos, that's kind of the reason that Batman takes him under his wing. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, because he's like, he's got the same issues to deal yeah. with. Closest, he's the probably closest tonally to, like I was saying, the, the Batman anime, not anime series, the Batman 60s series mm-hmm. with Burt Ward, um, and... You know, he kind of brings that, like, fun... He's honestly, like, the most 
fun part of the like the bat Lego Batman movie because yeah. everyone else is trying to like fit into the mold of the, the Batman mold movie. of Batman, but he's, he's the one who brings the light and optimism into it. Yeah. So I I think that he, he is good for that for that sense. Um, as like the inciting inciting incident of change as well, mm-hmm. not just like the whole Joker attacking, but also Robin becoming like a part of Bruce and Batman's life. Yeah, and there's and you can see how Batman initially wanted to just use him. <laughs> That's um, pretty bad. And, yeah, and like to um, to go into um, Batman. Uh, should we do spoilers? Yeah, we're we're doing a review of it anyway. Yeah, so spoiler. So at one point, Batman and Robin need to go to Superman's uh, Fortress of Solitude to get the ray that sends people into the Phantom Zone mm. um, because Superman has that locked up um, to send the Joker into the Phantom Zone, thinking that's where Joker belongs, whereas that's what Joker's pl- plot is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, Robin is like. I'm, you know, he uses Robin to get him in there because he's small and nimble, mm-hmm. um, and and essentially, you know, betrays him. Yeah. In that sense, um, he doesn't really care much for his well-being. Yeah. He, it's like he, it's kind of he's, like he's sociopathic, like, but You're totally expendable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, "What's expendable mean?" <laughs> um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the relationship with um, the two of them develops. Yes, it becomes. I guess the anchor for Batman's emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, becomes invested in Robin finally. Uh, thanks a lot to Batgirl's help too, because mm-hmm. she's just like, "Why are you doing this to this child?" <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about Batgirl. I liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was kick-ass. Um, I liked that she was like, she, she's like, I trained at the at the, at the Harvard for police, mm-hmm. and she has like all these like judo moves and stuff. Like, so she's totally ready to be Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I th- um, what did you think of her? I liked her, but she's a little different than like my favorite version of Batgirl, which is um, you know she has like all those self defense skills, but she starts off as a more bookish girl. She's like a librarian essentially, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of miss that they took away that aspect of her personality and just made her you know like the badass girl version of Batman. Mm-hmm. She's very tough. She wants to reform the police. I'm like, I like that. I like that she had initiative in that sense. But it's also interesting because I think in the comics she never had an interest in becoming a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, like her father. Like her father, yeah. So like, it was their own spin on it and I didn't hate it. I was just like, it's oh, different. okay. It's different. Yeah, because like, I felt like they captured um, Bruce and Dick so well in like maintaining that essential spirit of those characters. And then Batgirl was like very different. Mm-hmm. It's but also like um, not as bad as Alicia Silverstone in Batman and Robin. Yes. Another thing that I blocked out of my mind. Yeah. And she was not Barbara Gordon. She was Alfred's daughter in the in the Batman and Robin. Was she still Barbara? Yes. She was Barbara, but she was Barbara whatever Alfred's Penny, name was. Pen- Pennyworth. Pennyworth. Yeah. Barbara Pennyworth. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. I forgot that part. Um, yeah. Um, so... Uh, and then what, what, what did you think of Ray Fiennes as Alfred? I liked him. I mean, like, he was very clearly playing off the whole wise butler thing that Michael Caine has going on in, like, the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was, like, a really funny sort of, not subversion of it, but kind of, like, just homage to it in a way. Yeah. And um, They tried to make him, like, you know, he spews, like, wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom spewing. Also, um, he was, like, kind of fun 
device for doing like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, at one point, I remember dressed up as like the '60s. Yeah, he's like the '60s were Batman, cool or something. Yeah, he's like, like I miss the '60s. I miss the '60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like he was the one who was the most meta character, honestly. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, he was the one who always pointed out Batman's like changes, in, like over his course of the career. Like there's this montage of him where he's like. Remember what you were like in 2016. And remember what you were like in 2012, and 2011, yeah, and 2008, yeah. and, and like. And they did like flashback. They did like Lego versions of iconic images from the previous Batman movies, mm-hmm. which I always thought I thought that was cl- cute and clever. It was cute. Um, and, but but then when they got to the 60s Batman, they just used live action footage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there were a lot of references to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, before we move into just kind of like the meta part of it, let's talk a little bit about Joker because mm-hmm. he's the last I think strong developed character totally. of all of them. Um, Zach Galifianakis plays the Joker oh, in an that. almost unrecognizable voice. I didn't know that. Wow. Well, he kind of plays him in his normal voice, but mm-hmm. with Zach Galifianakis, um, you you kind of, I mean, more recently he's been doing more dramatic work and more, um, like, subdued oh, Zach Galifianakis. Right, he mumbles a lot, like kind of mumblecore. <laughs> kind of. I mean, I mean, he you can hear what he says, but, yeah. like, the Zach Galifianakis I remember or I know is the hangover Zach mm, Galifianakis right. in the due date one where he's kind of over the top and like outlandish whereas more recently he's been doing more straight man work um, So it's and so like every time the Joker was in trailers I was like who plays the Joker mm. and I'm like oh my god that's Zach Galifianakis that's really interesting um, so he kind of doesn't do like a Heath Ledger or even a um Jared Leto, Leto oh, God. Um, performance. He kind of just plays him straight. Yeah. Um, He's probably the one that plays it the most straight, other than like the whole sort of romantic overtones between Bruce and yeah. uh, the Joker. Straight in terms of like comedy and whatnot. He's mm-hmm. he, he's never he's never like I mean he does do like the Joker laugh, but he's not Mark Hamill. Yeah. I say he's closest to Mark Hamill because, like, mm-hmm. he does have shades of uh, Cesar Romero. I think. S- yeah. Yeah, Cesar Romero, who's like who did the. Uh, Joker in, in the Batman '60s show, and if he, famously refused to have shave his mustache, and mm-hmm. so he had to paint the the makeup over his mustache. And Joker's hair in this is very much designed. It's after, very similar to that. Um, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked ha- yeah, the character designs of all these characters, where they're very much like kind of amalgams of different costumes over the years. Like, yeah. Batgirls is clearly inspired by the most recent Batgirl costume, mm-hmm. the purple and, and yellow. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Robin's is 60s Robin. This Batman is kind of based around the Dark Knight's Batman, uh-huh. but with, like, the yellow el- emblem of 89. Uh-huh. Um, and then Joker's is very much inspired by Cesar Romero's. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Joker, like, I thought was fine because he was played straight, too, and he was also just, like, you know, and wanted to be a bigger antagonist than he was, but Bat- Batman refused to like acknowledge, acknowledge him. Yeah. Um. So he he spends the entire movie trying to get Batman's like notice and trying to get him to like say like you are my worst enemy, you're my foe. Mm-hmm. It's a weird rom com. Yeah. You know, where it's like they're trying to you know they're like they're re- like a lot of psychoanalysis around the Batman mythology is that you know Batman without Joker is not the same or like Joker or that you know they both need each other in this Mm -hmm. weird psychoanalysis way yeah they're codependent they're codependent on each other exactly Mm -hmm. that's a great word for it Mm -hmm. Um, and they point that out in this movie like that's the explicit reason why Joker 
um, like he, he he storms off like a, it's like fine if you don't need me I'm I'm going I'm leaving uh-huh. I'm going Batman bye um, he goes off into the Phantom Zone for bigger and better va- villains mm-hmm. and it's funny Gotham's villains are like we don't want the city destroyed <laughs> yeah they're just like we just want to you know we just be rich and yeah. live happily yeah um, and oh Jenny Slate plays uh, Harley Quinn but she doesn't oh. do like the classic Harley Quinn accent. She kind of does. She has like the a little bit, but yeah. it's not it's not as strong not as the animated version yeah. or even Margot Robbie's. Yeah, but she only had like two lines. Too. Yeah, um, but I could I could tell it's like oh she's not do- she's not doing like the weird um, Brooklyn accent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, back to Joker. Like I I thought that it was an interesting that they they, po- they made it explicit like Batman has all these relationships even with his villains, mm-hmm. um, and Joker Joker's like. You know, see ya. Yeah, I like that. I think that like his Batman and Joker's relationship in this was even more central to the plot than like the Found family was. Like literally, they bridged Gotham back together. <laughs> that was really fun. that was a ridiculous but fun scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it was also the most meta part of the movie. And like the whole movie is just like meta joke after meta joke. And which met- got a little bit tired like, after a while. And like meta analysis of Batman. Yeah, because yeah, like this was the whole like debate essentially over why Batman is so popular. It's like it's because of Joker. And it's because of both of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they belong together. Mm-hmm. And um, and they never really, they never made Joker seem cool in like the hot topic version of uh, yeah. Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah, honestly he was like a very wacky kind of silly version of Joker. And, which was fine because like and it's, what, what it's we a tra- wacky movie. What we've traditionally seen from him especially in Cesar Romero's performance of it. Mm-hmm. Essentially. So let's go into the structure and kind of like the whole themes of like of this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very... One of my problems with it is that I felt like it was held up too much just by how meta it was. Okay. And, like, I mean, I like I enjoyed it, but I feel like it couldn't hold up the plot otherwise. Because, like, it was a fine plot. It was just, like, it was a silly Lego movie, but I, I did not enjoy it as much as the Lego movie. Because hmm. I felt like the Lego movie, despite, you know, being very pop culture heavy in terms of like its references I felt like it held up as a movie and as like a really great journey for like the characters mm-hmm. uh, versus this one which is a lot of just like you know meta references and stuff like that yeah it almost seemed to me that I mean uh, there was I mean this is clearly a Batman movie but it was mm-hmm. a Batman movie that um, that's clearly written to point out everything that Batman's ever done yeah um, and I for one, like I laughed the entire time. I you know I went through the roller coaster of emotions. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I I personally loved like a lot of it. Um, but if you know starting to think about it, it's kind of like what happened with Rogue One. Like you kind of start to you know if you peel back the layers of this of this of the superficial level of the story, mm-hmm. it's a little weak in the plot. Yeah. Once you look back on it, there are a lot of not a lot of holes essentially. Mm-hmm. And like I found that despite it being like very fast paced and very witty and very like look how funny and, like, referential we are, I somehow fell asleep halfway through the movie. Oh, no! And I think it's just because, like, that's the part when they tried to get to the plot. Yeah. And Or, like, to the emotional core of the To the, the emotional core of it, and it felt very hollow to me, and that's why I just, like, lost interest, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, I enjoyed myself more when it was just being a jokey sort of... It's almost like a sketch, really. Well, I mean, you... It's really funny you bring that up because, like I said at the beginning, this was directed and written by people who've done Family Guy and Robot Chicken. Mm. So it's almost like a very 
extended robot chicken sketch. Yeah, I can totally see that, which is why I think I it lost me halfway through, just because like sketches are good, like they're really smart comedy, and it's hard to like fit all of the that humor into like a small segment of time. So that's the thing, it's always in a small segment of time. Mm-hmm. If you extend it beyond that, you have to really build the characters and the plot from the ground up and not just rely on just like joke after joke after joke. Yeah, and then and the thing about Batman in the Lego movie, in the original Lego movie, is mm-hmm. that he was a, he was basically a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was a, he was a character that was made to be, A, the foil to um, Chris Pratt's character, mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, the traditional, like the, the jerk boyfriend to the love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of people, when the Lego Batman movie was announced, were like, "How can 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 you do an entire Batman movie based around this joke of a Batman character?" Because mm-hmm. like a lot of people, like he was totally like the same. Like, um, look at the hear the speakers I just installed in my car. Listen to them look bark. Cool I call I them am. the dogs. Yeah. And so like, there's a lot of like you know. And he has his own sorrow, song, "Darkness, No Parents." Like mm-hmm. cla- like the, that was now that became like an iconic like joke of the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of wonder how can you build an entire movie off of, of off of a joke and it's almost like doing a Jack Sparrow movie out of out of Pirates of the Caribbean mm-hmm. because Jack Sparrow even though he was central to the three the first three movies he always had these characters of Will Turner Turner and um Keira Knightley Elizabeth Swan yeah, yeah. and Barbosa, like you kind of had this found family that they had, and you remove him from that and have him tell his own story in the fourth movie. That's a really good point. And he, it kind of falls flat. Yeah, because like these supporting characters, because they're supporting and they don't have to, and they only they can bounce off of like the straight man protagonist. It's easier for them to like go over the top, and you can like really enjoy them. They can become a fan favorite, but like it's harder for them to anchor a movie. And mm-hmm. I think that's like what the problem I had because like. Like I was saying before, I felt like Batman both had development and didn't. And I felt because like he, you know, you know, make, went through this whole journey of like finally accepting his found family and, you know, accepting Joker as his nemesis. But I felt like Batman didn't really change in the end, just because like he was basically the same. He still, he was still like a superficial like mm-hmm. narcissist. Yeah, which is like, so you can do that in a movie, like. For example, Iron Man, mm-hmm. he still remains a superficial narcissist for a lot of the movies, and but he still goes through so much growth. And you can anchor, like, the emotional journey on him. But for some reason, like, this Lego Batman felt a lot more flat. And I know, like, this, it feels a little bit silly to be analyzing so deeply this movie that is a Lego movie and it's an animated film, but I think that movies, no matter what medium or no matter what audience it, they're catering to, it should, like be held up to those standards. There should be a good story mm-hmm, and exactly. a good character arc. And for as much as how funny this movie was, mm-hmm. the plot kind of fell flat. And the, mm-hmm. and like Batman's character development kind of fell a little flat. Yeah. Even though he does, you know, he does he does a lot of good things for his found family at the end. And when he submits himself to the Phantom Zone, the Phantom Zone's like, nah, dude, you're yeah. good. Like his actions don't feel that motivated by whatever, like, emotional growth he went through. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, he just did them, and you're like, oh, okay. Although, I, personally, I actually did like the end where he was, like, he was going to go off to the Phantom Zone. Yes. Um, and then he's like, I'm the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, you know, I did not treat my, I've, I've not treated these people well. Mm-hmm. I've got to go. And then the Phantom Zone's like, nah, dude, you're good. <laughs> go back. Um, and I thought that was I, and I saw that happening. Like they drew, they drawn out. Mm-hmm. They had drawn out the this like emotional goodbye, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, he's gonna come back. He's Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was like, 
I liked that moment. I thought that was a good moment, but I could t- I could tell you could you can kind of see that maybe some of that wasn't earned. That's what I was gonna say. Like I did like that moment, and it was a really good moment of vulnerability. Um, but I just yeah, I felt like it wasn't completely earned. Like mm-hmm. maybe like halfway through. Earned. It's kind of like and the, my mom was talking to me about La La Land. I know this is kind of tangential. It's tangentially related. Also, it's Oscar Day. Oscar Day. Um, but my mom was talking about how she really loved the beginning of La La Land and the end of La La Land, mm-hmm. technically. But she didn't like the parts in the middle, so the ending for her fell flat. Even though it's like a great short film Mm -hmm. of what, you know, summarizes what could have been with these characters. Mm -hmm. But because she didn't, she didn't, she didn't think that these characters were truthful and that they, you know, they didn't, they didn't earn the arc that they had gone on, Mm -hmm. that this ending of like this emotional, like, what if Mm -hmm. did not work for her. Even though technically you look at it, it's a master. Master, I thought it was one of the, you know the best technically ended movies of of 2016. Mm-hmm. Damien Chazelle knows how to end a movie. The ending saved La La Land for me. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have liked it as but, much. But she she was like, well, yeah, that that was a great ending, but only technically, like emotionally, it wasn't fulfilling. I and so you that. can kind of to bring it back to Batman, you can have this emotional arc that Batman quote unquote goes through, mm-hmm. but by the end of it, he has this like moment of like clarity with the Phantom Zone. The Phantom Zone's like, no, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, it, he may not have earned that. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I think that Lego Batman, for, it has a few flaws, like, in terms of, like, being emotionally earned and, like, the character journey and stuff. But otherwise, I think it's, like, a fine movie. Not as great as Lego movie. Um, but it's still great. Like, mm-hmm. Still good. I mean, we should also point out that we're second psychoanalyzing this movie because we're both great, bat- huge we Batman, huge you, Batman fans. Huge You more than me, but yeah, we're. I mean, like, yeah. you want you want a Batman story to be told. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that this is the closest we've seen <laughs> to a Batman movie, like a good, true Batman movie, since. I mean, I like the the Nolan. The movies. Nolan trilogy is good. I will say since the Dark Knight because <laughs> I think that really captured the essence of like Batman and his struggle with like his the mantle of Batman that he's brought upon himself and also like the people that he's created like mm-hmm. essentially um, Batman Begins was really good as well as like bringing that core of Bruce Wayne and Batman yeah. um, but Dark Knight Rises was just like too ambitious and it, not very true to Batman at all yeah I mean um, it became I mean it became a I mean at least he didn't kill bunch of people yeah i mean like um, insider's version is the worst yeah we'll we'll, we'll we'll just that's an alternative use that's borderline dark knight returns I mean, yeah essentially it well, is dark like, knight returns yeah Zack snyder idolizes dark knight returns which in fact was actually a subversion of like the dark knight and like almost the, a, almost batman. it was like almost satirical yeah it's like a whole subversion of batman and the hero myth- mythos and mythology so it wasn't meant to be like a foundation for a whole cinematic universe no it's not where batman ends up Mm-mm. it's not like i mean it takes place in the future of batman's world but it's not where you should yeah it's like a up. parallel world honestly um glenn weldon had a really interesting take on the dark knight returns when he was doing his, his book mm-hmm. um the caped crusader which is a great book i recommend it if you're a batman fan mm-hmm. um he was talking about how essentially uh frank miller wanted to take the 60s batman mm-hmm. and put him in the 80s Ooh, i think i heard about that yeah, yeah, yeah like and see like where he where that i mean if you look at his costume it's very much it looks like the 60s batman when he tries to get into mm-hmm. it it looks it's blue and gray mm-hmm. yeah, and he yeah. tries to take that that Batman and bring him like you know, a hardened version of that, mm. um, and I, I found that very interesting. And and you know that's not where Batman 
ends up in. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting and revolutionary as, like, a concept. As a, and it was, like, the first graphic novel. Yeah, as, like, a one-off concept and, like, an exploration of what Batman could be, but not as a, like, as I was saying, a foundation for the modern-day Batman. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, going back to Lego Batman, I thought, felt like this movie was a breath of fresh air in terms of, like, the Batman content we've been getting, mm-hmm. um, despite it, you know, being a little silly and a little over the top in terms of his meta-references. I enjoyed it overall. I enjoyed it a lot, too. Mm-hmm. I thought that, um, same... I have a lot of the same issues that you have it with, mm-hmm. um, but um, I thought I thought I mean I'll, I'll definitely buy the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I, I would and I would recommend it for people who who definitely want to you know kind of escape for a while. Yeah. And, and if you're a Batman fan, this is a great like. There's a lot of Easter eggs in there. Those yeah. are those Easter were are those were fun to like look at and, and find. Mm-hmm. Um. So will be. What would you rate Lego Batman out of five stars? Four. Four. Okay. I would give it a three. A three? Mm-hmm. So 3.5 stars um, from the Millennial Falcon. Which for, is still a good story. Still good, yeah. Yeah, for basically, like, some pacing issues, some issues with just, like, emotional um, narrative and everything like that, and, like, a little bit over the top in terms of jokes, but still, like, a really enjoyable movie overall. Mm-hmm. Okay? Great. That's our review of the Lego Batman movie. Yeah. And now on to our final segment. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Willoughby, why don't you go first? What do you really like this week? I really like two things. One is The Circle by Dave Eggers. Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading that book uh, a couple couple days ago. About a, about, I'm about a fifth of the way through, and I really am intrigued as to where it's going to go. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a movie coming out with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks and John Baiega. Um, and it's all about this, like, social media network that has, like, taken over everything. Like, um, instead of, like, the whole concept of this of the, the circle is that instead of having, like, 80, 82 different accounts for all these things, you have one account, and it's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it, there's a lot of, like, civil liberties issues that are kind of going on here and, like, how much power can this company really have over, like, people. Um, and there's, like... It's 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 like if Google and Facebook were one thing, or it's mm-hmm. like if Google Plus took off, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, May Holland, who Emma Watson plays in the movie, is kind of this newbie um, worker. Her um, college roommate gets her a job at the at the Circle, who's kind of like a vice president at this point, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's it's her, she works in customer experience, which is like customer service, um, and there's a lot of like. Um, I wouldn't say brainwashing, but everyone has like a positive mood, mm-hmm. and there's you can tell that there's something rotten at the core of this red apple. So it kind of sounds like a long Black Mirror episode. Kind of, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Black. It's. I mean, I'm not at the part where things are getting weird, but mm-hmm. I I've seen the trailer, so I uh, for the movie I know things get a little get dark and mm-hmm. weird. Um, so I'm waiting for that turn, but um, you can tell that there's like, you know, what they're doing. They're trying to like solve basically all of the world's problems, mm-hmm. but you, but to do that, they're like doing a lot of things that that are borderline like um, going against like civil 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 liberties. Like there's a, a thing where they want to install cameras literally everywhere mm-hmm. that are the size of like an eyeball, and that you can like glue to like a wall and oh. like hide it. Mm-hmm. And like Tom Hanks's character, um, uh, his name is uh, Bailey. His last name is Bailey. He mm-hmm. like um, talks about you know, 
uh, he introduces this um, camera like it's an iPhone, and he's you know giving this keynote presentation, and he's like, bring up cameras through eight, uh, one through eighty, and he has like these cameras everywhere all over the world. Mm. And you're kind of like, you know, and he's like, I've hidden them so people can't find them, wow. and you're like, that's a little distressing. But, yeah. he's, but he talks about it like we're going to end crime. Like, you know, there's a camera where someone commits a crime. You know how they, you know, that they committed it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, there's no... Shades of minority report. And yeah, there's, all, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, like, let's, you know, solve crime. Let's solve war. Like, all these things that, you know, that, that, like, they want to do for the greater good. But a lot of these things can be, like, a little... They're sketchy. They're, mm-hmm. That's essentially what it is. Mm-hmm. I really like where this book is going. Um, I recommend it so far. Um, the second thing is um, the movie Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen um, as this hippie dad who he and his wife live out um, with six children mm-hmm. um, in the woods. They're, you know, he teaches them to hunt, to fight. Um, they're extremely well-read. They can get, you know, they're very smart. Um, they're also, like, incredibly, like, socialist and, <laughs> and like, <Yeah>. anti-capitalist because <laughs> that's what his character, Viggo Mortensen's dad was. So he, he, you know, he teaches them, like, these, like, hippie, hippie liberal, you know, <laughs> they celebrate Noam Chomsky Day, yep. um, so it's pretty like I mean it's not outrageous, but it's like very you, beatnik. Very beatnik, um, and there's an emotional core to this movie about him dealing with the fact that it's possible that he, you know the, these kids are living in a child abuse. It's not in the fact that he's a danger, he's a danger to his kids, but like you could see that from a different perspective. You see shades of, of child abuse in it, and it's also like you sympathize with him too because you can see. He plays well, like, that whole idea of, like, the fanatic. He's not malevolent. No, he's not malevolent, but he's also fanatic and doesn't, and that kind of blinds him in a way to, like, the well-being of his kids. Yeah, and because there's a point where the where one of the daughters um, gets, like, gets a concussion and has to go to the, the, the hospital, and he kind of, like, has, like, a, a come-to-Jesus moment. Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. he's kind of like, what the fuck am I doing with these kids? Mm-hmm. I can't, you know... Can't yeah. do that. Vigo um, plays it really well. Yeah, and I, I can definitely see why he was nominated for... Um, Best Actor mm-hmm. in uh, tonight's Oscars. Yeah. Um, Which we will be live tweeting, by the way. Yes, we will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, HT, what are you really liking this week? So, since we're just throwing all the rules out the window and doing two really okay, likes. Okay, well, Anya's not here. Anya's not here. So, I had to, you know, it's what she did when you weren't here. She did two, so yeah. this, we're just kind of... I'm, I'm just going to do two, too, because, okay. you know, all the there are no rules. <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> um, so, my first really like is Get Out. It's the movie by Jordan Peele. It's his directorial debut, and it is an amazing movie. I just saw it this Friday. Um, it's a horror film, kind of a horror comedy almost, about this um, black man who goes to his white girlfriend's parents' house for the weekend and ends up in like a very strange, almost brainwashed step. Stepford Wivesian um, society. Uh, Jordan Peele has described this movie as guess who's coming to dinner with Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. It's very much in the vein of that. And it basically takes like a lot of like the microaggressions that you see um, in racism, like people who are like a little bit too uh, you know, fetish- fetishizing of you know, black characteristics, black genetics and that kind of thing, and turning them malevolent. And it's just so well done, not heavy-handed at all, and just, like, a really great ho- horror movie, despite, you know, I'm not the hugest horror fan, but, like, I don't know what it is with this genre lately. They keep putting out good content, and I'm going to have to keep watching them. I even watched The Witch earlier this year, um, which freaked me out, but was not that scary. They're really, like, stepping back mm-hmm. on um, the use of jump cuts and, like, cheap scares, and it's a really intelligently made 
smartly crafted horror movie in that sense. It like plays into a lot of your expectations of a horror movie too, and um, you know deals with like the ideas of possession and stuff like that. But it kind of turns it on its head in a way. And you know what's interesting is that this movie has over a hundred reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and they're all positive. Mm-hmm. Right now, Get Out has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is certified fresh at 100%. It's very rare for a movie to get 100% with that many reviews. Even more rare for a horror movie, because mm-hmm. a lot of horror movies, they may be entertaining for a lot of folks, but they're not super well-reviewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, actually like the balance between humor and um, horror in this movie that... Mm-hmm. that made it so well-liked, just because I, I didn't expect it to be that funny. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of chuckle-worthy moments, and a lot of it is just, like, kind of moments that you're just like, oh, this is just, like, you know, like, kind of accidental racism. It's fine. It's, like, something that you kind of brush off in regular society. But, you know, then they, you know, turn that accidental racism into an actual act of, like, malevolent racism and, mm-hmm. like, a horror trope, essentially. It's so interesting that the way they do it. I also find it interesting, the, the only other... Com- um uh, horror movie that I that I like that is kind of I, I, I haven't seen the movie but mm-hmm. uh, in the same vein as Cabin in the Woods yeah um, it's and, similar and Bradley Whitford stars in both he is yes he's he's really good in this movie too mm. um, as is the star who uh, he's in Black Mirror he's in Black Mirror and he was also in Skins mm. so I tweeted this earlier but no one liked my tweet I was just like the gold mine of talent coming from the Skins cast it's kind of amazing mm-hmm. you got Deb Patel you got Nicholas Holtz you got I'm Sorry, I'm going to look this up because I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited to see this movie. I might see it next weekend. You should see um, it. I'm not a horror fan, but like this movie has me so intrigued um, just because of the social um, climate that we're living in. Mm-hmm. It seems like a movie that is is very topical. It is. It's it's very topical. Um, Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya, mm-hmm. that's the name of the, of the star. And uh, Allison Williams plays the girlfriend. Ooh, Allison Williams really played into her type here, and mm-hmm. it was a really interesting twist with her character. I won't say and anymore. You, I mean, if you don't know who Allison Williams is, A, she's the daughter of Brian Williams, but also an actress on Girls. She's Marnie. She's mm-hmm. basically Marnie in this movie, which is really funny. Interesting. But no more spoilers, yep. because it's a great movie, and you should all go see it out in theaters now. And what's your second really like? Second really like, I was actually going to mention during our Batman talk, but I forgot to, it's a they're, they announced that they're going to do a Nightwing movie. Yes, within the DC universe yeah. of Snyder's. Yes, I'm a little nervous because it is in the Snyderverse, and uh, who knows where that universe is going. But it's by the director of um, the Lego Batman movie, and I have a lot of faith that they'll capture the character right because they seem to understand the Batman characters a lot more mm-hmm. than Snyder does. And I th- and, and also, I think the, um, even though we ha- we had gripes with Lego Batman mm-hmm. with its character arc, I think it's because they're playing into a comedy. Mm-hmm. But if they can do like a full blown dramatic version of a Nightwing story, it could be actually very. Uh, Beneficial. I think so, too. And um, for those who don't know, Nightwing is the second iteration of Dick Grayson, the first Robin. So it's when he's all grown up. And, when, uh, he becomes, when he goes to college, right? It's when he goes to college and he like has a falling out with Batman and it's just like, I want to be on my own. Oh, that's totally Snyderverse ready for like angst. Exactly. Like he's angsty, but he's also Dick Grayson. So he's like the most joyful, angsty person you've ever seen. And um, he is a big... One of the few sex symbols in the comic book industry catered towards women. Like, Nightwing, because of his very skin-tight costume and, like, the way that it's formed around his body, which is, like, not really overtly 
muscular like a lot of the superheroes you see he's in comics. Acrobat. He's an acrobat. So he's like a very streamlined body. Like he's not like the male fantasy that Batman or Superman is. He's like the female fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting and great that they're catering to the female audience because, you know, fangirls will buy tickets. Um, hopefully they cast an actor of color because in um, com- comics canon, Dick Grayson is of Romani descent. Um, although they use it a lot of times pejoratively as like, oh, you're a gypsy. But um, it would be really great if they got like a Romani actor or just like an actor of color in general because, you know, you got to have someone who can fill out that skin-tight suit, you know? Yep. Yeah, so I am actually, my, my vote for um, Nightwing is Darren Chris, who is actually half Filipino. Um, and he has like the, he has the right hair for Dick Grayson, first of all. He's got the right body. And uh, I think his acting skills are up to par. I mean, he was great in uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, he was, he was great <laughs> in, in Harry Potter. I, and by that Star I mean Kid. the Star Kid Harry Potter musical. Harry Potter musical, yeah. And, like, you know, he has that ability to charm both men and women, I think, mm-hmm. which is what is very important to Dick Grayson. He's a very, like, jovial, very charming person. Mm-hmm. I liked um, in the animated Batman Under the Red Hood, uh, Neil Patrick Harris did a really good job of he voicing did. him. I liked his I, version. Yeah, because it was it, it was exactly what you're talking about, jovial, kind of you know pl- playful. Yeah. Um, but also like can be serious yeah. when he needs to be. Kind of like um, almost in a Spider-Man sense, he's very witty and kind of like there's a lot of talking and snarking during fights, mm-hmm. but then he can get serious and angsty when he wants to. And don't forget um, Jesse McCartney in uh, uh, Young Justice. I have a huge weird crush on Nightwing in Young Justice because of Jesse McCartney's voice. I can't really say why. His laugh is really good. Well, doesn't he also voice Sora in Kingdom Hearts? He, he voices Riku. Riku, sorry. About Not that. Riku, sorry. Roxas. Wow, I just failed myself. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. He, he plays Roxas, who's just like one of the most tragic characters in Kingdom Hearts. Um, but yeah, he's a talented voice actor. Jesse McCartney, do more voice work. Mm-hmm. And he played both Robin when he was younger, and then, like, was it five years later? Yes, five years later. He did a good job making his voice higher for mm -hmm. the young Robin and then, like, lowering it. He does good voice work. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to see him uh, when he opened for the Backstreet Boys four years ago, and I kept yelling, I love your voice acting! (laughs) Which I'm sure he's kind of like, he does on the side, or maybe. I mean, I I guess he still does singing and and does acting, but, like, mainly voice acting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Nightwing movie. Yeah, so those are my two really likes. Anya, by the way, I want to say a shout out to you earlier because we miss you, and I'm, I hope you're having fun gallivanting with your friend um, Leah uh, off watching Jane Austen movies. Mm-hmm. Huh? Also, today not only is Oscar night, it's also HT's birthday. So oh, yeah. happy birthday to HT. Give her a shout-out on, um, on on our social media. Yeah, and uh, what is our social media? Lately? So you can, um, if you have anything you want to talk about, about the Lego Batman movie mm-hmm. or about um, Get Out or Nightwing movie, The Circle, or Captain Fantastic, you can reach us on social media. On Facebook, you can search for us there. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millenniafalconpodcast.wordpress.com, and you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play, and you can rate and review us there. And we're also on SoundCloud. And where can they find you? You can find me at hchenbui on Twitter. You can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter, and you can find Anya at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye! Bye.